Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Now, I never knew that I would be where I am today from going and making animal sound at a show. You know, it's kind of one of those positions where you just, you take the leap and, you know, if you fly, you fly, you know. If you, you fail, you just learn from it. And, you know, you adjust and you move forward. The Lord said, I won't, you know, give you anything more than you can't handle. So as long as it's in his hands, that's all you can do is go. You know, the way I look at it is, you know, from my accident, I died three times. I died twice. I died twice on operating table. So the way that I look at it, I'm on borrowed time. I'm not supposed to be here. So whatever I do, I'm grateful for. Hey guys, this is Josh Carney with Sun of the South TV. This is Tom Rowland's podcast. Boy, today's show deserves a really special introduction, but I do not want to spoil this story for you. Josh Carney is is a special person. He's uh, he's a guy that had uh, something kind of unfortunate happen, but he's managed to turn that around and have that be instead of something horribly unfortunate in your life, it turned turned his life around to being a, a real tool for for reaching other people, and he's reaching other people with a with a mindset, with an attitude, with a positive outlook in life. It's a really cool story. It starts with a young boy who just wants to hunt. Unfortunately, something happened on one of those early hunting trips that changed his life forever. Uh, Josh was nice enough to sit down with us on this podcast to tell his story one more time. I know he's told it a lot, but his story was new to me. Some may have heard it, but I I really hadn't. And um, I thought it was fascinating. And I thought that he was a fascinating person, and I enjoyed my time with him very much. And I think you will too. He's son of the South. It's what he goes by, Josh Carney. Josh, man, I've checked your videos out, and uh, I got to say, man, you're you're amazing. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you today. Man, I definitely appreciate it. I'm glad you reached out. And uh, we finally got our schedules to line up because last time we uh, messaged, I was on a little turkey tour and <laughs> I'm a little hard getting contact with when I'm turkey hunting. I know. I was quite surprised that you were getting back to me as quickly as you could. But where where all did you go? I did. Um, I hunted Florida, Georgia. I didn't kill a bird in Florida. So I went to Georgia, killed a bird. I drove back to Florida. Um, then I killed a bird. And then I left from the coast of Florida all the way across to about 15 minutes from Mexico. <laughs> wow. And then I hunted there and then drove all the way up to Kansas, Missouri, and then I made my way back home all in 24 days. Wow, that's amazing. And so all the different, what what all species were did you hunt? I did um, Osceola, Eastern, and Rio. Yeah. I wanted to go get a Merriam, but... I would have had to drive to the northern part of Nebraska or um, South Dakota, and that's they had all that flooding and stuff going on. So I just didn't want to chance it. Yeah. So where so do you where I'd do just, you sit on your lifetime slam for all the different species? The only bird that I don't have, I kill. I'll kill my Osceola Easterns and Rios just about every year, and I have not killed a Merriam. 
it's just such a long trip for me to come from way down south to go to the northern part of Nebraska, Colorado, or South Dakota just to kill a turkey. I mean, I'm passing up a lot of turkeys to get to one. <laughs> right, you sure are. Um, <laughs> so, home is Louisiana, right? Home is Louisiana, and so that's that's kind of where your story begins. And and um, you know, I've done a, a good bit of research. You you kind of popped up on my radar, and then I my son uh, who is a big hunter he. He sent me your your Instagram. He was like, "You should follow this guy." And so I, and that's basically all he said. So I'm like, "Okay." So I check it out, and then I started digging in a little further and a little further, and I just I just can't believe your story. It's 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 amazing, and uh, I appreciate so it. it all started in Louisiana. Is that where? Yeah. Okay. So if you wouldn't I, mind, um, fill us in a little bit. So I always, I mean, ever since I was a, a little pup, I grew up in the outdoors hunting and fishing. And as I grew up, you know, I progressed. I fell in love with the outdoors. I wanted to do it more. I um, played sports. I was, you know, pitcher for baseball, point guard for basketball. And, you know, but every chance I got, I was in the outdoors trying to hunt something. I mean, <laughs> I was one of those kids. And back, I'm, I'm going to say back then, like I'm old or something, which I'm not. But. Back then, you know, things were a lot different than they are today. I mean, you just go pick up a pellet rifle or a twenty two and just go out hunting anywhere you want to. Um, and that's kind of, you know, how I grew up. And um, I was always in the outdoors, and I just fell in love with it. Sometimes my dad would go to work, and, you know, wherever he was working, and they might have a break of woods or something. I'd just go run around in the woods, try and shoot a couple squirrels or whatever, and just have a good time doing it. And I was... Um, I was like the most deadliest kid on squirrels and Tweety <laughs> Birds and all that with a pellet gun. <laughs> so um, I just fell in love with it. And in about the age of, in my early years, we had rabbit dogs. I grew, always grew up with rabbit dogs and fell in love with it. Just hearing those dogs, you know, um, bark and run a rabbit, it sounds like a choir. You know, it sounds like, you know, just something amazing. And uh, I just fell in love with hearing that being outdoors. And like I said, I was I was deadly. That my my gun was a four ten single shot, and I was the most. That was like a western shooter. I was so <laughs> deadly with this little four ten. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you and got I, one, um, when you got one shot, you got to make it count. You got to make it count. And you know, I've practiced so long. You know, shooting a four ten, and you know, I'd stepped up to a bigger gun, a twenty gauge, or whatever. But like, I just, I just. I really trained myself. I mean, you know, a lot of guys shoot, you know, bows or shoot guns professionally, you know, and I wasn't professional by any means, but, you know, I've shot so much and I've did so much as gun. Cause like I said, I grew up, you know, that's all I had. So, you know, when you get five shells, you got to come home with six birds. It kind of makes it hard. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just, you know, Got really good with shooting shotguns. So I did a little bit of competition shooting, a little skeet shooting, all that stuff. And then um, it just wasn't as fun as hunting to me. So about the age of 11, I caught wind of deer hunting. And I'm like, all right, it just looks fun, you know. I want to try it. So I, I come from a small game hunting family. You know, no one in my family had a deer hunt. Um, So I um grabbed my dad's 30 out 6 and... He had a friend of his that, that deer hunted. He took me out to the woods. He's like, all right, you walk this way. There's a stand there. You go get in it. And I was on my own by myself, 11 years old, with 30 got six hmm. deer hunting for the first time. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I get in this stand, and um, it's an afternoon hunt. And it's, I guess it's getting about prime time, and a deer comes from behind me and walks right up under this little um, tripod stand and was sitting in and I'm shaking like a leaf. The deer gets about 15 yards away from me and I smoke this deer. It takes off, it runs and I, my buddy, my dad's bud comes down and uh, he's like, all right, did you get it? I was like, I think so. So we go and we look for this deer. He's like, what'd you shoot? I was like, I shot a doe. He finds, he's like, man, you shot a buck. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it was a doe. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've looked at pictures, pretty sure it's a doe. <laughs> And uh, I actually ended up shooting a little button buck. Um, so my first deer was a button buck. And, you know, I got all the initiation to deer hunting world when, 
You know, they tell you that they found your bullet inside the deer and they cover your face with blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> so I got that, man. It was, you know, once you get that taste of blood in your mouth, you're just kind of hooked after that. Yeah. And then um, a couple years went by and, you know, I started seeing turkey hunting on television and it looked it's super easy. Um, television is the biggest lie ever. <laughs> <laughs> I um I seen these guys. They just like rub these two sticks together. It makes a squeaking noise, and a turkey comes in. And they shoot it. I was like, man, it's easy. I can do that. <laughs> so we go to Walmart, buy all these calls, and I'm like aggravating the daylights out of my mom. She's ready to kick me out. We go to church one Sunday morning. It's like, all right, well, you know, we're going turkey hunting. That's it. So we went to a spot where I grew up. You know, small game hunting. Never knew they had turkeys on a place or anything. We we're just gonna go. We get. Down this gravel road, and I find a feather in the road, a turkey feather. I was like, all right, we're going to go in right here. We're going to set up, blah, blah, blah. I was calling all shots. So my dad sits up to my left about 20 yards, and I set up on a tree, and um, we start calling. And uh, we didn't know anything about turkey hunting at all. So we were like, okay, well, it's a bigger bird. Just shoot a bigger shell. Like this was before Longbeard XRs, TSS, or anything that came out. Mm-hmm. So we were like, you know, it's bigger bird. Shoot a bigger load. So I had a 14 with number fours. And my dad had a 12 gauge with double up buckshots. This is like how much of a turkey hunting we knew. <laughs> <laughs> the bird came behind the tree that I was sitting on. My dad shot. And when he shot, he shot me. So I uh, I took the full load of the double up buckshots. Body went numb, bringing in my ears. My dad ran and picked me up and carried me out of the woods and called nine one one. By the time we got back to the front of the property, they were there. I got back in um, EMS and um, they drove me to the hospital. And yeah, from there, you know, I started my recovery process and all the other jazz. And about two weeks after I got out of the hospital. I went right back hunting. <laughs> really? So, well, yeah. there's a there's a period of time in there where you're in the hospital, and I'm sure that it wasn't looking good. You weren't feeling good. Like you you tell the story now, like you're you just went right back to hunting. But I mean, you were paralyzed, obviously, and and there was a yeah. What was the recovery yeah. like while you were while you were in the hospital? Yeah. So I. I stayed in the hospital for about three months. Doctors came in. It's like, well, you know, you've been shot. You know, you're, you won't be able to walk in. And at the time, I had a bullet hit my esophagus. So I couldn't. I had a breathing tube in my throat. So I couldn't talk or anything. Doctors came in and said, you know, since that breathing tube's been in your throat for so long, you know, you won't be able to talk. You're going to need a trach. And when he told me that, it upset me. And um, <laughs> I pulled the breathing tube out of my throat. Wow. And it altered my vocal cords, um, which allows me to make animal sounds. <laughs> so it's it's really crazy how a, a turkey hunting accident allows me to sound like a turkey. It's right. really weird. <laughs> right. Well, I, I read that. And that was one of the things that I was, I was the most, I, I, it just blew me away. Like you, they told you you were never going to be able to speak again. So you just ripped this, this thing out of your throat. Yeah. And then at how long, I mean, did you start talking like a week after that or like what, what no, happened? Like that day I was, no, I was back to talking that day. Okay. Um, what happened was it was, it was, it was causing like an itch in my throat and like, it was just really bothering me. I just, <laughs> I tugged on it and just pulled it out. The nurses weren't too happy with me <laughs> about that, but, um, you know, I, I just, I just wasn't comfortable. And, you know, um, once I did that, they had, I had to go through vocal therapy and, you know, speech therapy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but after that, my vocal cords never matured. Mm-hmm. So I still have like a little bit of squeak and that high pitch and all that in my voice. Cause like I said, my vocal cords never really matured since the accident. And like I said, I was only 13 when it happened. So, you know, I was just in that puberty stage. Yeah. And so how long was it until you started realizing that, man, that's a, that funny squeak in my throat kind of sounds a little bit like a turkey or a coyote or. So funny story about that. I never knew I could do that. Um, <laughs> 2000 and summer of 2013, I went to a trade show and they had a company there trying to sell turkey calls. And this guy was hassling about turkey calls, blah, blah, blah. 
And he was like, well, what kind of call do you use? And I think I was maybe 20 at the time, 19, 20. So I was still a little bit cocky. <laughs> I was like, man, I can do that with my mouth. And because to me, he sounded pretty horrible. <laughs> and I was like, man, I was like, I can do that with my mouth. And he called me out on it. So like, I'm like, oh, crap. And I'm not one to like back down. So I'm like, okay, I got this. So I'm like trying to pull a rabbit out of my hat. And I just started mimicking what this call sounded like. And the owner of the company turned around. He's like, is that our call? He's like, no, that's that kid. And they ran me away from the booth. <laughs> <laughs> ran you away because you sounded better than their calls. Yeah. First time ever. I didn't know how to do it. I just learned. I was like, wow, that's cool. So I went to another uh, another side of the show and somebody was like, yeah. He was like, well, what else can you do? I was like, I don't know. I just learned that 10 minutes ago. And uh, I was like, okay, well, can you do a duck or a goose or whatever? I was like, you, you tell me what it sounds like. I probably could. So that show is how I you know, got my foundational learning that I could do that. From there, I went home. I was like, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. I had a fun time at the show. You know, whatever. No big hoop. So later on, I, you know, posted a video on social media. It's like, hey, you know, I think I can kind of sound like an animal, you know, just you know, let me know what you think. And it kind of like took off. And a lot of people were like tagging me in videos and things like that. I'm like, hmm, okay, this is pretty cool, you know? So I went to a show called ATA show, Archie Trade Association, mm -hmm. um, January 2014. And like, I, this is, I don't know, I may have been like calling for four months and I go to the show. Every person that's on the outdoor television, you know, all the hunting companies, all these big companies and outdoor advocates, celebrities, all this is at this show. So I show up, my buddy's Rob. He's like, hey, man, you just need to go to the show. And I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be cool to look around. So I go there and a friend of mine, Kirsten Godfrey, she's like, you need to do your goose call. I was like, no, you lost your mind. <laughs> so... And you got you to gotta understand, like, I'm a little small-town boy from Louisiana, you know, and I'm around, you know, Michael Waddell, Lee and Tiffany, Jim Shockey. Like, I'm around all these big-name oh, yeah. celebrities. Oh, yeah. That's the and, Super know, Bowl. It, it, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like starstruck. I'm like, wow, you know? So, Kirsten and I get together, and we were walking a show, and we passed by Jim Shockey, and I have, like, a fangirl moment. Like, I screech. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they're so shocky. <laughs> and so Curtis and I were going through the show and uh seeing Jim Shockey and had a a fangirl moment. I just freaked out. I was like, oh my god, there's Jim Shockey. She's like, You want to meet him? I was like, no, nah, he's he's got a crowd of people around him, he's busy. No. So <laughs> she parted this crowd like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, Jim, this is Josh. Josh, this is Jim. And like I'm so amped up and freaked out. And when I get excited, say, here's a, here's a funny thing about me. Like, when I get excited, certain words come out as a goose call. <laughs> so, like, I didn't really say hi to Jim Shockey. I goose honked at him. <laughs> and he was like, did you just honk at me? I was like, uh, maybe. <laughs> what does that sound like when, when that happens? Do it. it say it again. What does it sound like when that happens? So, like, like let me hear instance, it. Like, I, so I said hi in a goose voice. So it sounds like this. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, uh, and Kirsten was like, hey, just, you know, do some of your calls for Jim. And I was like, I'm not about to do that. And she's like, just do it. So I did a couple calls and he's like, wow, that's like really cool. And he's like, do you mind if we like video it? I was like, no, I'm on. So, you know, he did a video and he posted it on a social media page and uh, Eva posted it. And then like around this whole show, people like, who's going around blowing a dang on animal call? Like who's blowing goose calls in here? I guess it's an archery show. Who's blowing goose calls? And they're like, no, that's that kid. And like the whole time, like I was known for the kid making animal sounds. I went from an elk to a, a goose to a coyote to a turkey to whatever just people threw out at me i was just going off and naming you know doing all kind of crazy sounds and 
that's kind of how I got my start in the hunting industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's really cool that like all of a sudden you're kind of discovering that you can make these sounds. So you're probably, you know, leaving these shows, going home, practicing other sounds, and then coming up with like your whole repertoire of all the different things that you can, that you can sound like. At what point do you start actually putting this to use in the field? You know, after I learned that I can actually do them and sound pretty good at it, I was like, you know, so that following spring, I was like, you know, someone invited me turkey hunting. And I like, kind of got shot turkey hunting. Not sure I want to go back down that route, but you know, what the heck, let's go. So really? I went turkey hunting. And, um, so who who is this that invites you to go turkey hunting? Is this like a, uh, a close friend a, or somebody that you didn't know very well? Someone I didn't know very well. Um, someone that I met at the ATA show um, at the time. Wow. That had to be like really something to consider. Like not only for you, but for your family as well. Like, okay, I'm going turkey hunting. Like that has got to be your greatest fear at that moment. Like. You know, it was, it wasn't as hard as, you know, a lot of people would think. I mean, I'm one of those guys, you know, you just kind of just got to grab the bull by the horn and, you know, enjoy your eight second ride. So, you know, being injured in a turkey hunting accident didn't actually um, hinder me. It kind of made me want to do it more. Like, I absolutely love turkey hunting. Like, after my accident, like, I am obsessed with turkey hunting. It's kind of one of those, like, love-hate relationships I respect the animal so much, but like every time I get out there, like I want to get revenge on a turkey. <laughs> Don't know why, but I just absolutely love turkey hunting. Like if it was up from, if, if I had to choose between turkey hunting, deer hunting or whatever, I would choose turkey hunting every single time. So when, when this gentleman, I'm assuming gentleman invi- invites you to go turkey hunting, is it nearby where, where you no. are or did you have to travel? No, what, it was, was um, Actually, the place that I, the place that I hunted, um, this, this past spring in Texas, like I said, 15 minutes from Mexico, that's actually where we went turkey hunting. Wow. So how did you, how did you get there? I mean, so on this second round, there's, everything's different. There's obviously a lot of challenges. I mean, you, you're paralyzed at this point. So you're in a wheelchair. Is that, is that right? Yes. When you, when you go, but now you, but, but on the upside, you sound exactly like a turkey. And yeah. so, I mean, there's a lot of challenges, but then that maybe there's some advantages. How did that first trip go? So the thing about this trip is they had a, tra- a chair, a wheelchair called an action track chair. It's like a little bulldozer. It's the best way to describe it. I mean, is that the one it's that I see on your uh, Instagram? Like tank tracks on it. So it goes through pretty much anything. They had one there at this ranch. So that's what I hunted out of to help me get around and everything like that. So we set up that first morning. We didn't, um, we didn't get a bird to come in. So I was like, look, I just kind of want to move around. So we moved around a little bit and I, I called out. And when I called, a bird gobbled like maybe 100 yards. And we were in the wide open. So we really couldn't do much. So... We just um, kind of jumped into a big cactus bush, which wasn't smart at all, but <laughs> it happened. The turkey came down the road, and um, I shot him, and it was, like, absolutely amazing. From there, I just got hooked. I, would, I left there, and um, another company was like, hey, listen, you want to go turkey hunting? I was like, yeah, let's go. So, like, my next trip was in Missouri, and then I left Missouri, and then I went to Kentucky. So, like... I started traveling, like going hunting all the time, everywhere. And um, it was just fun. I, so it, you know, it, I enjoyed being on the road. At this and point, then I was killing turkeys, so I loved it even more. So at this point, how old are you? I want to say 21, 22. Okay. So, and then how are you getting around to all these places? Are you so alone? I, I have a, a vehicle that's customized for me that okay. I'm able to drive. I have hand controls on a vehicle. Yeah. And so you could travel around alone. Yes. Oh, yeah. And you, and that's what you choose to do. Just like get on this first tour. Now I know the one that you just got back from. You know, it was that was full on. But this first one, I'm interested in because everything's new at that point. Like you're probably just learning how to do these hand controls and and 
and now so so for I I knew how to do I think I was I started driving when I was like eleven. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of knew how to drive. So like after my accident, you know, um fifteen, sixteen ish, I started like learning how to do the um driving um with controls. Yeah. And then I got my license at eighteen. Okay. So that's um, not that's with not new. controls and all that stuff certified for a vehicle. So at this time I already knew how to drive. I'll already drive myself around everything like that. Okay. So, but then on the first Turkey tour, you go from, uh, almost Mexico up to Missouri and then, then what you just go back home or like way, way Eastern, um, Kentucky. Yeah. So what did it feel like? Like, is this like a sense of, of, uh, of freedom? Like when you're, you go there on that first trip and then you're, you're having success and then you're having these these opportunities come up as well. I mean, what did that feel like for you at that point? Like, you know, it's going to sound really weird, but you, do you know, like the satisfaction that a dog gets when he sticks his head out the window when you're going like 50 miles an hour? Yeah. I got it two of them at my like feet that. right now. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like that, you know, everything, like there's not a care in the world. Everything's going great. You know, you're having fun. You're just enjoying you know, what's coming at you at the moment. And that's, you know, how I looked at it. Um, I was having a great time doing it. That's awesome. And so that, that tour comes to an end and do you, are you videoing some of this stuff and, and getting it out on social media? The, um, these hunts that I did go on, they were, um, there were a couple different shows that I was with that video, the hunts. Um, so they were, um, documented, they were videoed and everything like that. Now, after that, I kind of, you know, broke away and did my own little thing. I kind of, you know, got my own camera, started learning how to, you know, do some filming and stuff like that. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, took my own path, you know? Yeah. And is that where you are now? Like with your, with what, with what you're doing? I mean, (laughs) your handle, son of the South TV. That is where I am now, but I'm, I kind of had a crossroads, you know? I, I talked to a buddy of mine last night. Um, I love what I do as far as um, hunting-wise in the, in the industry, but it's changed so much, and it's gotten away from tradition, and I just don't... I don't enjoy the competitive side of hunting. I mean, it's it's not what it used to be. Let's talk about that for a second. Like... What do you see has that's changed? I mean, you you're relatively young, and so the changes that you're you're talking about have come since you were what, twelve, eleven, or twelve so, years old. So to for now? me, in my opinion, you know, hunting was all about tradition, passing along, passing it along, sharing stories, campfires, you know, being um, a leader to the next person growing up, you know, someone to um, carry the torch and make sure that the next person does it right or they have fun, they enjoy hunting. Well, now it's it's all about a game of inches. It's all about bragging rights. It's all about, you know, who has the biggest bones. It, it's so competitive now that it just doesn't make it fun anymore. Like, if you're a blue-collar guy that works seven days a week or six days a week and you only have, you know, eight days to hunt the whole season and you kill a deer that's, you know, not justifiable to somebody else. You're just going to get, you know, bashed and ragged about it. I mean, it's, it takes the fun out of sport when everybody has an opinion and social media has made it so easy for people to broadcast an opinion when they have no relationship or, or any platform to do that you know in your situation in someone else's situation and you know it's just become one of those deals where it's it's kind of it's it's sad to be honest with you you know because you have everyone you have a i'm not gonna say everyone you have a lot of people going against other people for doing something right like when you say that when when somebody's going against someone for doing something right what do you mean like hunting, I mean, it's if if you're gonna do it legal, you buy your tags, 
you buy your tags, you pay for your lease, or you hunt public land, or whatever you do, and you're successful doing it, someone shouldn't knock you down for doing that. I mean, everyone doesn't have, you know, everybody doesn't have a financial situation as someone else. You know, someone can't go to an outfitter and pay, you know, 5,000 right. bucks to go hunt a deer. Right. You know, there, there's, everyone has a different situation. So to understand or try to understand someone's situation rather than just bashing them for not harvesting an animal that's qualified in your eyes, it's just, it's ridiculous nowadays. Well, there's so much else going on too with, with, you know, the, um, the high fence areas and, and people paying high dollars to go to, you know, hunt and they're going to, they're going to kill something huge. It's going to be a monster. And like you say, not everybody does that, but you know, the, in my opinion, the people that really know what's going on, they see, you know, a, a decent deer killed on public land or a big turkey killed on public land or any turkey killed on public land. That is, you know, that to me trumps a high fence confined hunt. That's just I mean, I have no problem. I mean, hunting's hunting. If you're going to do it, you enjoy it. That's fine. But understand that there's different levels to it. If you can afford to do it and you can go sit in a high fence and that's what you like, then do it. Don't knock someone else for doing it. Or if you can't afford to go hunt in a high fence and that's just not your cup of tea, well, don't knock knock the next guy for doing it. I've hunted in high fences, but I've hunted with kids. You know, I've taken kids with disabilities in high fences. And for me, hunting whitetails in a high fence is just not my cup of tea. Right. I, but- I've, I've been to some great ranches. And for me, it, it's, it's kind of like cattle. You know, that's kind of the way that I look at it. I mean, certain, I mean, you know, they know where the deer is going to be and how they're going to come out and all that stuff. I mean, it's kind of like checking for cattle for me in my opinion. And it does get down to kind of the, the ability of the, of the rancher or the landowner to raise a high quality animal, to raise a whole herd of high quality animals, which goes into like, how did that animal get there? And maybe it was bought at an auction. Maybe the, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And it, it's almost, when I see those, those mega giants coming off a piece of property, it's almost more of a trophy for the, for the landowner in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, like, look what I grew. And that is, that is pretty cool. But we have the same kind of deal going on in the fishing world where, you know, some people like to fly fish. Some people don't, some people, you know, like to fish with bait. Some people like to spin fish. Certain groups get upset with other groups and there's this infighting that happens between people that really have a common interest. And that common interest really should be kind of put to good use and all hunters and all fishermen uniting for hunting rights and fishing rights and, and uniting to make sure that we have access to, to all the property that we currently do at, instead of infighting. Like the difference between you know fly fishing or, or, or using bait is it really all that important when the real important thing is, are we going to be able to, is the next generation going to be able to hunt and fish like we can? Is that, is the following generation you know, the after thing that? Now, going, going to the next generation, you know, it's a lot harder nowadays to pass it along to the next generation because of all the effects of social media. It's so easy to be a Debbie Downer on social media to someone you have no idea who they are. So say for instance, a kid goes catch a fish. It's his biggest fish. You're gonna have someone that just are having a bad day or whatever may be the case, that's gonna, you know, put a bad taste in a kid's mouth for saying, you know, something that is none of their business. Then it's saying, it's so much harder for someone to say congratulations than it is for them to give their opinion on something. And that's just, that's just the world we live in nowadays. As sad as so, it is. How, how does that, like that, that's a sweeping change that's happened in the last probably less than 10 years as social media, yeah. you know, goes from, you know, just forums and, and, uh, you know, things to, to what we have today, Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter, where you're actually sharing pictures and, and how, I mean, it seems like maybe 
maybe that's your role. Like you're, you're talking about now, like you're kind of at a crossroads. Have you ever thought that maybe your role is to, is to tell that story that it's not important what other people think and, and you should be doing this for yourself and for the, for the love of hunting or fishing or, or whatever. And just like develop a healthy relationship with social media rather than, than allow it to ruin your life or to ruin your day or ruin your catch or ruin your hunt? You know, I, I think that's, I think that's the path that I'm looking towards going, but still in a sense, I don't know if it's going to be hunting related though. I mean, for me, hunting is, is a, is a small part of, it's a big part of my life, but it's a, small part of life in general i do a lot of motivational speakings and you know seminars about life and life coaching and things like that i think when i say i'm at a crossroads i think that's the path that i want to take and have hunting kind of as as a minor still enjoy it still do it you know for my pleasure and my benefits but as far as making a full-on career out of it i mean it's it's kind of like it's kind of like chumming the water for sharks. I mean, it's, there's, there's bigger fish out there. Yeah. You know, there's so let's more talk opportunity about that. in life in general. What, Go ahead. what, what is your message? Like as you look towards that and your, your, you know, the bigger, the bigger picture, what is, what is the message and the mission that you're, that you're kind of considering as you, know, you stand for, at this for crossroads? Me, you know, I had a tragic accident and in my situation, a lot of people see, oh, well, he has his bad. But in, in my view, I have a great life. You know, there are people out there that have life way worse than I do. And they're happy about it. You know, one, the thing for me that really got me, I took, um, I went hunting with kids with crazy illnesses. Like they could, you know, pass away the next day or whatever, pass one hunt or anything. And they had such a great outlook on life. And, you know, being in my situation, I have nothing to complain about. You know, may, my legs don't work, but my mind does, my my rest of my body does. Like, I have nothing to complain about. You know, we're talking about people with illnesses that are going to take their life, you know, in a matter of, you know, hours or days. And they're living it to the fullest extent while they have it, you know. And I think that there is a bigger message with that to be shown in the world. Because, you know, every day, you know, whether, you know, you're driving through traffic, you're having a bad day at work, you know, you can't allow that five minutes of mishap ruin your whole day. There's more positivity that should be seen in the world, than negativity. And we just live in a world full of a lot of negativity. And, you know, if we keep bringing each other down as a whole, it's going to be so hard for anyone to come up and do anything great. because there's always going to be someone dragging them down. So, you know, I want to put a, 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 I want to be someone to kind of speak life in a, a downing situation. So interesting. Um, you know, like what you, when you just said, you know, you can't let like a little bit of traffic ruin your day. And it's almost, you know, I had this, I had this kind of little quick vision of, of your life and your accident being that traffic and, and your lifetime being the whole day, it's like you can't let that traffic ruin your whole day and you can't let that accident ruin your whole life. And you have chosen to, to have an attitude about this to where you're turning it from a negative to a positive. And I love that so much. And on this podcast, I've had um, this other gentleman from Canada, his name's Lawrence Gunther, and he's the only blind competitive angler. And he's got, mm -hmm. he's got just such an incredible outlook on life, just, just like yourself, just like you're talking about with these kids, to where every day he is living his life to the absolute fullest. And he would say that he's just like anybody else, but his eyes don't work. And he has figured out how to do the things he wants to do and I think the things that we can all learn from it is just his his remarkable attitude. Another guy that I had on the show one time was uh, Kyle Maynard, who was born a, a, a congenital quadriplegic amputee, 
And he's one of the happiest people I've ever met in my whole life. And he's figured out how to climb mountains and how to, uh, he was a wrestler in, in high school. He played football. He, he did all of these things that everyone told him that he couldn't do. And he maintains the most positive outlook on, on life. I don't know. I don't know that I've, I've been around many people that, that have quite as positive an outlook, um, Mm -hmm. or who have achieved that much success. And one of the things that he said to me one time, he was like, we were talking about disabilities or whatever. And he was like, oh, I don't have a disability. And you know, you're looking at a guy that is a quadriplegic, um, amputee. I mean, he was born with no arms and no legs and he's saying, I don't have a, I don't have a disability. He's like, you know, who has a disability is the people with all the negative self-talk and confidence issues and, and all these other things that, that rule their life from, from the moment, you know, for, for their entire life. And it just gave me so much perspective. And I just love spending time with him in particular and talking to Lawrence because man, I mean, it, you just go and apply that to your own life. And it's like, what, what am I doing for the rest of the afternoon? What am I doing for the rest of the month? What am I doing for the rest of the year? We all need to be applying that to our life. I love it that that's what you're, what you're considering as your, as your platform. How, how do you think that you will uh, reach as many people as, as possible with that message? I don't know, man. It's kind of one of those deals where you just kind of have to jump and take a, take a leap of faith, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like this hunting deal, you know, I never knew that I would be where I am today from going and making animal sound at a show. You know, it, it's kind of one of those positions where you just, you know, you take the leap and, you know, if you fly, you fly, you know, if you, you fail, you just learn from it and, you know, you adjust and you move forward. You know, the Lord said, I won't, you know, give you anything more than you can't handle. So, you know, as long as it's in his hands, that's all you can do is go. You know, the way I look at it is, you know, from my accident, I died three times. I died twice. I died twice on the operating table. So the way that I look at it, I'm on borrowed time. I'm not supposed to be here. So whatever I do, I'm grateful for. So if I start, you know, being a motivational speaker and life coach, I only touch, you know, five people lives in 10 years. Well, maybe those five people reached out and changed you know, the lives of five more people and five more people reach out, change five more people. You know, it's kind of a network effect, you know? Absolutely. You could do something today that's just simple, small and simple that can pass on to the next person and they pass on to someone and it just keeps going. And you're the cause of someone to be absolutely happy, successful or whatever, just because you did something so simple and small for someone else that got passed down a lot. I love it. And I'm sure that you've already seen that, um, in the work that you've, that you've done thus far. And that's only going to be magnified as you, you, you know, reach out to more and more people. Um, I want to talk to you about, yeah, man, you know, I've, I've had people come up to me. It's like, man, listen, you, you don't know, like how, you know, you're positive, you know, just your humor. Um, cause I, I post a lot of funny stuff on social media. I make more handicap jokes about myself than anyone. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. I kind of like to beat people to the punch. So if you ever see a post about paraplegic jokes about me, I, I just want to beat somebody to the punch. <laughs> but, you know, just having a, a, a sense of humor or something just that small could, you know, change someone's whole day or their whole outlook on something. You know, I had, you know, I, I did a speaking appearance and, um, this lady, she had a kid that was in a wheelchair. She was like, look, you know, the jokes that you crack about yourself, I mean, that made me laugh, you know, because I have a child that has, that's in a wheelchair, you know, it's kind of hard for me to, you know, see that outlook, you know, when I'm the parent, but you know, the way that you presented it, it makes me understand that, you know, there are people just like we are, you know, you have to have that sense of humor in order to get by and make it throughout the day. You definitely, you definitely do. And then, you know, in today's world, so many people are so sensitive and, you know, you have political correctness that extends into something like this. Like that just seems off limits for so many people, but you are justified in saying it and can kind of bring, bring a little bit of humor back into a situation that probably needs humor more than, 
any other situation that there is like that you know, situation for, needs humor with honestly with me so like the first three years being in hunting industry like i tried so hard to be politically correct i wanted to be you know in that mainstream of how everyone else is doing things and you know i got away from being myself and you know once you lose who you are as a person you just get into a miserable state of mind and you know being politically correct is not for me you know if i have an opinion on something i'm gonna say it someone doesn't like it we can have a debate about it this is how i feel this is how you feel well let's talk about it you know but as far as me being politically correct i tried it for three years it's not me you know it's you know there, there are people that are sensitive about everything and it doesn't matter what you say or what you do in life someone is going to be offended about it so you might as well just do it anyways <laughs> yeah yep you got that right a lot of people getting offended about a lot of things these days so in this in this new um well it's not new but in your in your um vision your mission we talked about social media just brief, briefly, and it seems it seems as though, you know, I see it. I've got three kids of my own, uh, a 20, 21, a 19, and a 15. So social media plays a big part in their lives. Social media has played a big part in so many of our lives over on basically everyone's life in the last, you know, five or six years. It's really ramped up and amplified. I think that, the, that there is um, plenty of needed room for someone that comes in and and has a message about the relationship with social media, especially a young person like yourself. You seem to have tremendous um, perspective. How do you how do you talk to young people about the use of social media in their lives? Honestly, the best thing you can do is post about it and let it go through the ripple effect and get passed along along the way. I mean, that, that's the best way to do social media is just talk about it, you know, whether it's um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm not big on Twitter, but I think Twitter's still a thing, you know, just putting that presence out there because one person can share it from your platform. It goes to their friends and they may have 400 friends or, well, you know, out at 400 friends, 10 of their friends may share it to their 400 friends and, you know, by five posts, I mean, you're at a, you know, 100,000 people by five posts. So, you know, just putting the message out there to be seen is the best way to do it, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and that's great for a positive message. But what about, what about, I mean, so many kids today, and I see it all the time, they're posting, they're making, their, their self-worth depends upon likes comments, shares, how many followers they have, when in actuality, they don't know many of those people. Um, and, and it's, you, you know what? I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. So the thing about that is the reason people, there's an A type personality and B type personality. The reason people are so caught up on the approval of other people is because they want to be justified in some kind of manner. And they'll do whatever it takes to be seen or heard, whether it means, you know, dropping their value or their self-worth. They don't, they don't understand who they are as a person and the real value that they bring to the table. So it's easier for... So if you go to the... If you go to a bakery and you have... Bread on the sale for 99 cent that looks good, looks fresh and everything like that, but it has a, I don't know, four day expiration date. Or you got bread that just got freshly baked out the oven for $6 a bag. Which one are you going to buy? I'm going for the fresh. Well, see, you're going to go for the fresh because it's fresh. It's got a longer lifestyle. But a lot of people now go for that cheaper value because they don't understand. They're, they're looking for that at the moment all right well boom i got four days to consist on this and this is this is good for me for now and that's the world we live in it's all about the right now you know people don't understand the fact of longevity so 
you get these people that are doing things, um, crazy videos or whatever for the attention now, but two years from now, somebody's going to come up and take their spot. You know, they're just going to be, you know, washed up stale bread, you know, in the next two, three years. Right. So, you know, that's the difference in people that post on social media for attention and people that post on social media to do justice or like have something um, of value to educate and inspire someone along the way. There's a big difference. That also, It's all about self-work. And a lot of people don't understand the definition of self-work because they are so caught up in knowing more about someone else than they do about themselves. And a lot of people don't understand how to be alone and figure out who they are as a person because they're so caught up in the fashion, the fame, the glam and hype of other people. They know more about other people than they do themselves. And as a mainstream, you know, society, that's where we are today. You know, for the next couple of years, that's where we're going to be, you know. But I think once people really understand who they are, you know, even if they're quote unquote different, because I mean, I'm different, you know. Once you put that out there and show who you are truly, you know, you're going to have some people that don't like it. So what? You're going to have some people that love it and love what you speak out for, what you stand for. I'm kind of preaching to myself and it sounds really weird. <laughs> no, it's uh, very interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by the social media aspect because social media definitely controls our world like, like maybe nothing has ever done before except maybe the very early days of television where, you know, the world is watching three channels or two channels and, you know, you put a message out there about uh, a product or whatever and it, it became the, the best way by far ever in history to sell anything. And now, now we have social media and it's just, it's just a funny... It's just a funny relationship because it's so powerful. And when my kids were young, you know, we debated back and forth on do we allow them to have social media accounts? If so, when? And they're, you know, you're talking to other parents and they're like, no way. My, my kid's not going to have a Facebook account. And this was before Instagram was big. Facebook was really, you know, kind of the, the, the place. And I kind of had a different, different opinion about it. I thought, well... This is the most powerful technology that we may have ever seen in our lifetimes. It, you, if you tell kids that it's bad and you tell kids that they can't have it, they're only going to want it more. And they're, not, and they're going to try to learn how to use it on their own. So in my opinion, and I don't know whether we did it right or wrong, but it's like I think we should set an age where they can have a social media account. And then we talk to them about what is appropriate material to put on that social media account. What is appropriate material to be looking at of other people's. So where you're not terrified of this thing, you don't think it's evil and, and wrong because it can be evil and wrong, but not all social media is like that. And you can, it can also be wonderful and right. And it's a real balance today with, with kids, like how, how to balance social media. And I just see so many of them just placing so much of their self-worth on the opinion of others and on the opinion of others on, on something like a picture. People just take the, the best picture of that time and post it, you know, so other people could see that they're quote unquote living the best life, but you know, and all situation, you never know what happened five minutes before that photo. Or after, you know? And, yeah. And that person that seems so happy could be deeply depressed and, and doing exactly the opposite of what they claim they're, they're, they're doing. But I don't know. Social media is, is, a, is a funny thing. And I think that you've got, um, you certainly have a good perspective on, on how to use that in your life and, and how to talk to other people. When you talk about the the kids that you're talking to the people that you're talking to about about taking time to yourself and finding your self-worth i mean like i know what you're talking about but i think that a lot of other people are just they hear that and they don't know what in the world i mean it sounds good but they don't know what in the world that means or how to do that like 
what do you what do you say to somebody that that seriously needs that? Like you need to take time to yourself and find out who you are before you put so much thought and and worth on what other people's opinions of you are. Like that was an interesting thing that you were talking about. What what advice would you give uh, a young person to how how would they find out who they are? You know, for for me, here's the easiest way that I know how to explain it. I uh, I really like using metaphors. So, say for instance, you have a hundred dollar bill. If you get a hundred dollar bill and you say, "Who wants it?" Everybody in the room's going to raise their hand, right? If you take that hundred dollar bill and you bold you crumble it up and you know throw it on the floor, step on it, and all that stuff, you're going to say, "Who wants it now?" Everybody's still going to raise their hand because it's still valued at a hundred dollars. Right. You rub it on the ground, throw it in dirt, spit on it, you know, just absolutely abuse this hundred dollar bill, tear it up, you know, everything like that. It's still worth the hundred dollars, and people still want that. So people have to understand that they are just like that hundred dollar bill, you know. No matter if life spits you up, tears you up, you know, throws you through the ring of the mud, you're bruised, damaged, whatever. You're still worth the value that you started out with, or you're worth more. You know, you don't you don't depreciate just because life hits. You know, and a lot of people have a hard time understanding that whether they go through, you know, bad deals with the family or relationships, they have hard time at school or whatever. You know, life is tough. It's gonna hit you. It's gonna knock you down. But you have to keep getting up because you're worth more than what you give yourself, you know, credit for. I mean, a human does not depreciate like a vehicle. You know, once you drive it off the lot, you know, it's it's 10,000 less. That's not a person. We only get greater in time as long as we work on improving ourselves and doing better for ourselves in the long run. You know, so people just have to understand that factor that they're worth more than what they're giving credit for. You just have to dig deep and find out, you know, what you're worth. You know, if that means stop hanging around people that bring you down, you know, change your scenery, change your crowd, change, you know, be around people that better you. And then you start seeing your true worth. You know, you start seeing what you bring to the table, who you are as a person. Then you start getting, you know, you start becoming happier and doing more for yourself. And that's, you know where you're going to start changing people's lives is letting them understand that fact you that they matter more than what they think. Man, I love it. I love it. That's incredible. If you if you just go out with nothing more than that message, you're going to be incredibly successful in in uh in connecting with a lot of people and uh making some making some serious changes in a lot of people's lives. So, <clears throat> one more thing that I'd like to talk to you about. We talk a lot about the difference between positive and negative, like we've even talked about it a couple times on this on this phone call right here about, you know, you're trying to be positive or you're trying to be negative. I find that some people don't even know what that means. How would you explain the difference between a positive outlook and a negative outlook? You know, it's, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough one to describe, you know, because a lot of people really don't understand if they're being negative or not. The way you say things and the way you address people, you know, could come off so negative towards, um, could just present itself as negativity and you don't even know it. You may, you may be joking around and, you know, a lot of people joke around and just have a, a tougher sense of humor. Um, so they may not know that they're being negative. Um, you know, if, if you have to, you know, sometimes you just have to hear yourself and be like, man, that was, you know, kind of cruel, you know, <laughs> and really understand, like, how would I feel if I was in their situation? You know, if I if I was treated like I treated someone else, how would I feel? And, you know, it just takes it just takes time to, you know, really sit back and, you know, want to change in order to change, you know. But I mean, if you're, you know, producing positivity, I mean, Go up to somebody you don't even know. Shake their hand. Hey, man, have a good day. You know, somebody's in Walmart. Hey, can I give you a hand to groceries? You know, just do things to like uplift people or just help them out because you never know. But maybe down the road, 
you may be, you know, stuck on side of the road. One of those people come up to you, you know, that you met way back in the day. It's like, hey, listen, you know, I remember you came up to me when I was in Walmart, helped my groceries. Can I help you out with flat tire or something like that? But, you know, that same person, if you went to the store and, you know, you cut them off or you got the parking spot and you got into an argument in the parking lot. Well, they're going to see you inside or your car could be on fire. They're just going to keep driving by, you know? <laughs> so you just got to understand like what you present, what, what you, what you put out into the world is what you get back. There's no doubt about that. And, and a lot of people don't understand or realize that. I mean, I look at positive and negative as positive. You're always bringing people up negative. A lot of people might think that they're bringing them up by, by, by joking with them and, and, oh man, where'd you get those shoes? Those are the worst looking shoes I've ever seen in my life that you, you know, whatever, like that is, even if that's your buddy and you're talking to them, that is bringing somebody down. Like you, as opposed to just, if you don't like their shoes, just don't even mention their shoes or whatever. Just finding some way to bring them up rather than knocking them down. And a lot of people talk like that all the time and they think they're being nice to people and they think, you know, or, or there's this whole thing about, you know, wallowing in each other's misery. Like, oh man, I'm late because there was so much traffic. And then have you seen how much gas costs? And man, my windshield is so dirty and, and uh, there's so many bugs out there. I can't even see out the windshield and, and the bus was late and this is that, and this is happening and that's happening. And, and groceries are so expensive and they just keep going on and on and on. And then other people chime in. Oh yeah. And did you hear about, did you hear about what they're doing at the school? Oh yeah, that's going to be terrible. And, and that it's just this whole spiraling down in this negative conversation that is so different. And, and those are two people that are trying to have a, a, a genuine nice conversation with one another, but they're just spiraling down in this negativity of gossip and, and, uh, whatever they choose to be talking about how expensive the gas is or whatever, as opposed to somebody saying, Hey, how's it going, man? You, you did so well on that thing that I saw you do the other day. That was really cool. And, and move on. And, and you're talking in a positive manner. It just seems to me that when I see you from the, from the outside looking in, you have such a positive outlook on, on life. I just wanted to get your kind of your opinion on the difference between positive and negative. No, I mean, for, for instance, I mean, whatever you do as a person, like whatever, it doesn't matter what John does, what Jill does or anything, whatever decision you make, it's your responsibility to own up to it. You know, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, every decision has consequences to it and it has responsibilities to it. So do what's going to make the easiest responsibilities or easiest consequences. And nine out of 10, that's doing something that's good, you know, because if you do something bad, you're probably going to go to jail for it or, you know, have bad (laughs) consequences for it. So, I mean, it's a lot easier to, you know, think about what you're going to do, make the decision based on, you know, what's going to be my repercussions after I make this choice. And, you know, that choice that you make, you're going to have to live with it. Don't blame anybody else for your decision you made. Don't try and, you know, say, well, if John would have been here all the time, I wouldn't have been, I would have got this paper in earlier. No, if you would have done it when you needed to do it or a few days earlier, you would have had it on time. Like, just don't blame someone else for your actions. Make a choice, make a decision in life, go with it and own up to your responsibilities. Man, I love it. I love it. And uh, I don't know how we could do much better than ending it right there. That's that's amazing. And um, I really appreciate your your input on all that. So if if people wanted to learn more about you, follow you, um, go to one of your motivational um, speaking uh, engagements, how would they do that? Well, <laughs> my social media is currently hacked at this moment, but oh, no. <laughs> my social media sites... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've been battling with um, Instagram and Facebook to get my accounts back. But uh, my accounts are um, Facebook account is Son of the South, S O N of the South. Um, Instagram is at Son of the South TV. And um, my personal Facebook is Joshua Carney. If you just type in Joshua Carney on 
you know, YouTube or I mean, YouTube, Google, Yahoo or anything, I'll pop up somewhere in there. Yeah, there's but a yeah, lot out if there. If you want to reach out to me and shoot me a message, I think my my email address is Josh Son of the South at iCloud.com. If someone just wants to reach out and say, hey, or anything like that. All right. Well, I'm sure that people will. Um, you've got a fantastic story. You've, uh, you know, your story is is amazing, but the way that you have handled, you know, the things that have that have happened in your life and turned them around for for good is really uh, something that I'm very interested in. I love it, and uh, just want to say congratulations to you for for being able to do that. I know you've got amazing things ahead of you, whether that's in the hunting world or the motivational speaking world or whatever else you you choose to do. Man, you got a great message, and and you're really good at at you know communicating that. To people so i'll be watching for sure i definitely appreciate it all right man well that's it for today and we will uh we'll talk to everybody next week uh josh thank you very much for being being a guest and and uh i'm sure everybody will head over to your social media when that gets fixed i want to know <laughs> how, how does it get hacked anyway how to get hacked yeah I got a message from someone that I thought was here in the United States. They were um, saying, hey, do you want to monetize through your social media? And of course, you know, who doesn't want to monetize off a good social media platform? And once you click the message, they can hack into your software and steal your whole page. Dang. So, <laughs> man. Yep. So, that... and I, it, it's, it's, it's been an act of Congress to get my pages back. I'm, uh, notarized letters, lawyers, and all kind of other stuff just to try and get so, it back. So, so when that happens, when that happens, somebody then goes on and starts posting stuff as if they were you? No, they post whatever they want to. So like my page went from a, a hunting and motivational page to pretty much a page about acne and pimples and bad hygiene and rats wow. and mice and all kind of other weird crap. <laughs> wow. I don't see how that's beneficial for the people that are hacking into it. I really don't. Nah, I don't know. Nah, and certainly no nobody idea. nobody is all of a sudden like, oh, I'm going to buy this acne medicine. Like, I don't think that's how it works. But I, don't know. I tell you what, listen, if you take the time whenever you have a day, go to my Facebook page, Son of the South, and just go through some of the videos that they post, you will be completely disgusted by the acne and like there's like videos of people like they have like um maggots in their skin that they're getting Ooh. removed all kind of weird stuff it's just yeah wow <laughs> i'm still just kind of struggling with why somebody would hack the page and then put that kind of stuff up seems like seems yeah. really weird but anyway well yeah, good luck with that man different. i hope you i hope you get it back and uh, everybody will be everybody will be following you when you do but uh, anyway, Josh, thanks so much for doing it. this. I appreciate it. I'll let you know when we can do it again. I'll be I'll be watching. And when you got something big going on, man, you let me know. Sounds good. All right. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Thanks. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.